Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. We have a great guest now, but uh, joining me to uh, interview the guest is, of course, the film critic Jan Wall. How are you, Janny? I'm doing great. Very excited about this esteemed guest. Yes, and uh, let's bring him in. We have Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson, and he's here to talk about uh, his performance, which is he's going to do a uh, very fascinating, entertaining talk at the Orpheum Theater right here in town on Friday, May 20th. It's called An Astrophysicist Goes to the Movies. Neil, welcome to the show. And I'm a little bit younger than you. And so when I was growing up, America's astrophysicist was Dr. Carl Sagan. And I know that you kind of got into the reboot of the Cosmos show. What what did Dr. Sagan mean to you? Well, he was doing things that other scientists weren't. I mean, just consider, he was, like, he appeared on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Oh my gosh, you're a scientist and that's what you're doing. Uh, you know, and so there was some resistance early on. It's like you should get back to the lab where you belong. <laughs> and and then what happened was over the years, the scientific community, at least the astronomical community, the planetary science community began to notice that budgets were rising in Congress for them <laughs> because people finally figured out what the hell we were all doing in my field because he was on the front lines explaining it, getting people excited about it and interested in it. And so uh, so my field, primarily because of him, has been much more open to that kind of activity. I think other sciences still have a way to go uh, in that regard. But, yeah, he cleared a landscape that I and many others are on uh, doing exactly what he was doing. Um, hi, Dr. DeGrasse. I'm a, I'm a movie critic, and I love film, and I'm just crazy about it. I think it enlightens and entertains. Uh, all and of you're the above, be... completely. And please call me Neil, but yes, all of the above, for sure. Okay, good. Hi, Neil. So listen, I'm going to be there. I can't wait to see you do this. What, tell me your connection with the movies. Yeah, so, you know, I, I like movies. But who doesn't like movies, of course? And but I watch them with a with a special you know through a special lens. It's the lens of scientific authenticity. Now, you know, if they happen to just make a mistake, that's not I don't have an issue with that. If they do their homework and get some good science in there as foundational storytelling and then extend it into the world of imagination and fantasy, I'm good with that too. So I'm I'm not there to be a cop, a movie cop. I'm there just to highlight, uh, you know, here's something you could have done better if you did the science right. And Really? So that's what you're <laughs> going to be showing clips from? Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. So I got, I don't know, 40, 50 movie clips. And, and each clip, they're not long, 30 seconds or something, will highlight an aspect of the film that either they could have done better had they gotten the science right, or... It's from a film that really doesn't care about the science and happened to get some of it right. I'm going to praise that <laughs> by as well. accident, <laughs> just by. <laughs> but, so, but like, give us an example. Example, okay. So, by the way, you think just coming out of the box, you might think it's all science fiction. No, most of the movies I'll be commenting on are not science fiction. So, for example, in A Bug's Life, okay, okay, yeah, <laughs> love that movie. <laughs> The great trove of science insight in a bug's life. <laughs> Even though the ants are walk bipedally and have only four appendages rather than six. Even though, okay, 
And even though they're also, of course, speaking English to each other, it's a cartoon. So you give them that. But they're tiny. And so there's a scene that I'll be showing when they go to the bar, okay, and a mosquito orders a drink at the bar. Now, of course, if you're a mosquito, what drink do you order? You tell me. Blood. What do you drink? Blood. No, no, no. It's a, it's a bar. Come on. So you order <laughs> Bloody Mary. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Can't with the program, dude. Your intro said you were a genius. Okay. <laughs> You're the genius here. I was until yeah, you showed up. pretty much it, man. <laughs> okay, so the mosquito orders a Bloody Mary, and then the bartender scoops out a, a blob of Bloody Mary, just a tiny little bead, and plunks it down on the counter. And then the mosquito puts its proboscis into it and sucks it dry. And you realize, oh, my gosh, when you're that little, you don't need a glass or a receptacle because surface tension on fluids keep them in these tiny little spheres, like like the water on, on a freshly waxed car. It'll just bead up on the top. And if you're a mosquito, you don't have to put that in another vessel. They, they knew this in this movie. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> well, what a it thought. Was, it was brilliant. And so I have no end of those kinds of observations. And I'll, I'll mention another one. Let's go back to Mary Poppins, okay? Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins. in her bag, her little carpet bag, pulls out a five-foot mirror, okay, and a six-foot floor plant. And you say, wait, what's going on? Oh, is it magic? Well, no, she has access to the fourth dimension. So I spend a whole part of this talk talking about the fourth dimension. And that happens in Doctor Who as well. He goes into his, his police mm-hmm. call box, and it's bigger on the inside. He's reaching the fourth dimension. And here's another one. You know Monsters, Inc.? You remember this? Okay. This is a factory. If you've never seen it, it maybe because you've never had kids. I don't know. It's a factory that makes doors. And these are the doors of children's bedrooms. Okay? And they... The monsters take out these doors and they open them and they go through the door and land in the bedroom of the sleeping child to scare them because they're monsters. That's what monsters do. But wait a minute. How do you do that? These are just doors. No, they're they're hyperdimensional wormholes through the fabric of space time. And you don't even say this in the movie. It just is that. And it's brilliant. It's how the monster ends. Didn't you wonder how the monster ends up in your closet? You ever wondered? <laughs> this is how that works. Yeah, I did wonder about that, yeah. You know, the, the, ah. the question I had when I thought about, you know, debunking or taking a look at it was Back to the Future, the 121 gigawatts. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you give them that. I mean, they did so much other. So it's, this is not about debunking. No, that's so, that's so cruel to think of it that way. <laughs> and by the way, <laughs> just, just for context, I think when I go through this exercise, I'm often misunderstood in my motives because people say, why don't you just stay home? It's just a movie. You know, they call <laughs> they cop an attitude like that. But you tell me, both of you, you tell me, if you go to a, a movie and let's say it's, it takes place, a period piece takes place in like 1958 and there's a car parked on the, on the sidewalk, uh, on, on the road. That's a 1962 Chevy Bel Air. And you happen to see the movie with an expert, and they say, wait a minute, that car doesn't belong there. You'll say, hey, you know your cars. You would would praise that person for their knowledge. (laughs) So why is it when I give that same kind of knowledge, (laughs) you're going to tell me to get out of the theater? That's not fair. 
Was there ever a space movie that got it exactly right from your point of view? A movie about outer space? That's a great question. There are a couple of movies. So one of them was Deep Impact from the 1990s, an asteroid strike. Okay, not to be confused with Armageddon, which has more <laughs> violations of the laws of physics per minute than any other movie ever made. Okay? That's Bruce Willis. Yeah. Okay, those asteroids. That asteroid had good aim. Like one of its chunks came and hit the Chrysler Building in New York City <laughs> and kept going, and then plunged into Grand Central Terminal and hit the clock in the middle of the open. Pl- I mean, so. That, the, the asteroid in, in Armageddon, they had like GPS locators or something. I don't know. So in, in, in Deep Impact, most of Earth's surface is water. So chances are it's going to hit the water, as did that asteroid. Okay? But the point is, you can still destroy cities. But now you do it with a huge tidal wave, okay, instead of just having the thing hit. The, and that's more, in fact, they did a brilliant job of that. So you can still have a disaster movie and keep some of the, the science accurate. So so that one I liked because of how they had good science, good um, uh, good science related to the discovery and the mm. and the well, and the properties of the comet. There's but, there's but, good uh, science. Unfortunately, there's never a good time to cut you off. We have to go to a break. Neil deGrasse Tyson, an astrophysicist, goes to the movies Orpheum Theater Friday, May twentieth. Get your tickets broadwaysf.com. Doctor, thanks for coming on. Oh, I can't wait to see you. Get your tickets now, everybody. Okay, it's all there. It's going to be all there. I think people will enjoy it. Thank you, Neil. All right, and thanks, Janie. Take care.